You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. To all my corporate quitters and wannabe corporate quitters, if you're loving the podcast and looking for more easily digestible, BS-free resources like the Quitter Starter Pack or How to Go Viral Guide, be sure to check out our website, corporatequitter.com, and our Instagram at thecorporatequitter, where we spill all the deets on the daily, helping you get one step closer to just doing the damn thing. Now, on to our episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest, I've been a super fan of hers since I met her in April 2021. She's a badass. Her name is Chloe Homan. She's a self-made multi-six-figure business owner slash content creator. She launched her first business in 2018, Frizz and Furls, where she empowers women to learn and love their natural curls, and she's helped me with that, too. After growing and cultivating her online curly community, she launched Curl Friend Collective in November 2021 to further support her community by providing them with luxury silk hair accessories made with curly hair top of mind. Women with curls have been forgotten by the industry for far too long, and she's bringing them to the forefront. So, Chloe, I'm so grateful you can come on. I've been, like, fangirling over you since I met you. Like, I think what you're doing is not only amazing for women, but also, right, you're an inspiration to those who want to bust out of corporate and kind of create create a lifestyle for themselves based around their interests and things that they love. So thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I've loved watching your journey over this past, like what it's been almost a year. Almost, has it has been exactly a year since you left corporate? Oh my gosh. So you have made so many big moves. And I'm just so excited to be here and to support you and to chat and support other women who are looking to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Especially since we, we were in the same mastermind and I remember coming in, I'm like, oh my God, this bad bitch, Chloe, like she has all these followers. She knows what she's doing. And here I am like, I don't even have shit, like nothing to start with. No, but I mean, that's the starting point. Right. But it's also great because I got to see like what's actually possible when I'm just starting out. So you know how it is. You stick with the vision and it all kind of falls into place. But speaking of vision, and like all of that, what's your full story? Like, I know you were in corporate and then you left. Like, how did you stumble into being a curly lifestyle creator and building this empire? Okay. Well, honestly, you like nailed it already, like stumbled. So let's start with just kind of like where I saw myself going when I was younger. Okay. So when I was younger, I knew I always was creative. I always wanted to go down that path, but I always also wanted to go down the business path because my dad has always been in corporate. I saw that path and I was like, Ooh, that's the path. Like, you know, he was a buyer and you know, my fashion Nista sense was like, Ooh, he got to go to, you know, all the shows and go to do others. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds amazing. So I went to college and I I decided to study graphic design and advertising. My dad told me I should have studied business. Now thinking now that I am a business owner, I'm like, hmm, that was probably smart, but you know, hindsight's 2020. So I went down kind of more of the creative path. So I went and did my undergrad, you know, got that done in four years and then went towards business and started in sales and did like business to business sales. I also did like account management, you know, as an accountant exec for a little bit. I absolutely hated it. You know, I went down that path and for a while I really liked it. I learned a lot, especially when it came to business to business. I mean, sales is just a crucial skill to have no matter where you are in a business. It really is, I think, a life skill. And so I'm really glad that I did that. But I also learned through that that it was not getting my creative side fed 
And that was just so important to me. It's just something that brings me, I feel like, to life. But I also really enjoy the people aspect. And that's the why I really enjoyed sales in the first place. But that started to wane as like, I got to do something. So for a year, I hemmed and hawed about, you know, I think this influencer thing seems cool. This content creation thing seems cool. So like when I started thinking about it, that was in like 2017. And so that was still really new at the time. You know, there were people doing it for sure, but it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. Here today, we're talking about almost five years ago, which is like insane to think about. So crazy to put that in perspective. But so when I started thinking about that, I would tell people, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this. And everybody would say, mm, do you really want to do that? Like, do you really want to spend the time on that? Do you really want to put yourself all to all these people to judge you? So I let people decide for me for an entire year before I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. And so in fall of 2018 is when I said, screw it, and I'm going to do it. I just was like, I'm going to let this be like a little side hobby. You know, I'm going to like test the waters, dip my toes in, see what this is all about. And so I did. I think it was probably about mm, six months in that I really started hating my job. (laughs) I really hated the corporate job that I had gone into. And I was at a different job when I had started prison frills. But then I think it was like two or three months later, obviously I started prison frills because I wasn't that happy at the previous job. So I moved, I moved to a different corporate job that had more money. You know, it had more of the things that I thought I wanted to tick off within, I would say two to three months, which was about my six month time being in prison frills. I was like, this is not what I want. I'm crying every day. I hate what I'm doing. Like this is not making me happy at all. And so like I talked with Ryan, my husband, and I was like, okay, I think I really want to do this. I think this has possibility. I had made like barely any money at this point. Like I had made like maybe like five grand or 10 grand at this point, like max. And I was like, I think we can do this. So if I just, you know, full-fledged forward, you know, as I still am in my corporate job, I think I can make this work. So by November of 2019, which was about a little over a year into prison frills, I quit. I was done. I put in my two weeks and I never looked back. Pandemic starting a few months later, that wasn't great. You know, that wasn't the ideal timing, but luckily I had a couple long-term deals that had come up from brand partnerships that were able to kind of get me through. And at that point when Ryan and I, like we talked pretty heavily about that decision and we decided we were going to live on his income until we, you know, figure out where that is. And we were lucky enough that his income could, you know, sustain us. And I never looked back. And so 2021, fast forward, that is when Ryan made the jump to quit his corporate career and do prison frills with me. And then another six months, and that's when Curl Friend Collective was born. And we've been doing that for like two and a half months now. Isn't it so crazy? Like you say it right now when it's like in a two minute span, but like, I'm sure like during all of that, the stress and the headaches and the figuring it out and every, everyone telling you you're full of shit and you don't know what you're talking about and like all of that. And you're just like, wow, 
Yeah. And Ryan was for sure like the skeptic when I started Prison Frills. He's like, okay, Chloe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's like, I see what you're doing, but I don't know, babe. Yeah, exactly. Like he's totally my realist and I'm like the dreamer, but we both have like that little bit that comes together of both sides that we can still have like that come together point. But he's always been the one like, Chloe, let's think about this. Let's just take it back a notch. And I'm like, no, let's go. (laughs) That's adorable. But I like, I totally can get that. Like my boyfriend's the same way. I'm like full throttle. And he's like, reel it back, reel it back. (laughs) Take a hot second. Let's think before we act, (laughs) which is probably good in the long run. Yeah, but look at where it landed you. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely balance each other out. And he is definitely, over the past few years, as he's seen Frozen Frills grow, he's definitely come around to a little bit more of the dreamer side than he used to be. Because now he's seen like, oh my gosh, like this is possible and you can do this. And so I think once you finally see it to believe it, you know, there's a lot to be said with that. Yeah. So what's it like doing all this? Like being an influencer, right? It looks glamorous. Your photos are like so gorgeous, right? Your hair is like always perfect, like all this stuff. Your photos that Ryan takes are amazing. But like, is it always like that? Like the Instagram versus reality moment? Like what's going on? No, (laughs) it's so not. It's so not. Honestly, I would say it's like 90% not that. And it's like 10% of the like glamorous, like what everybody sees after it's like fully published on Instagram, on a website, TikTok, you know, any of those places, that is such a small percentage of what goes on behind the scenes. And I'm sure you probably can even feel that too, from just like a business standpoint, right? All the time and effort that goes into the branding, the photography, then the editing, then, I mean, most of my time is behind my phone and behind my computer. It's being in emails, it's meetings, it's all those other things that kind of do resemble a corporate life, but I'm choosing that life and I'm choosing which meetings I'm taking. I'm choosing the people I'm spending my time with and I'm choosing the content that I create. So it's still a lot of the same actions that you may be taking in the corporate side, but it's all the stuff that you wanted to do and you have the power to say yes or no. Yeah. Seriously. Like you actually have a choice and that's what makes a difference. Yeah. You actually have a choice. Like if there's a brand that I'm like, you are crap to work with. Bye. Like I'm not doing it. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the beauty because if you were in it, like when I was doing brand management, you know, no way. When I was doing any of that, when I was working with, you know, on the sales side, I had to take that customer, whether they were crap to work with or not. Now I get the final say. Right. Even Curlfriend Collective. That's your choice. Like you were able to create a brand and a line of accessories based on basically what you want to see in the way of prints, in the way of quality, like all of that stuff. Whereas in corporate, it's about numbers, right? So it's not even about like customer experience. It's like, how much money can we make? Mm-hmm. You always had those quotas you need to meet every month. You had a meeting on the first of the month. How did we do? Oh, clap, clap, clap. Move on. Now time to the next goal. Go. Because that mattered for literally two seconds. I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> there are zero things I miss about corporate world. Have there been trade-offs of like running your own business? Like obviously in the beginning, even with myself, a part of me was like, oh my God, like, was this really a good idea? Like, right. Like what did I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even like, you know, with all of the really amazing things that come, right. Getting paid really well and working with your favorite brands. Are there any times where you're like, well, not even now, cause now I feel like you're in a jam, but in the beginning, was there that 
kind of freaking out moment of guilt maybe or just confusion or? I don't know that I would say guilt. I would say that I don't know that I realized I was quitting a nine to five to work 24 seven. If that makes sense, you know, and at the beginning, I didn't know how to manage my time as appropriately. You know, I was so used to for that year that I was still basically balancing both. I was so used to working like a 70, 80 hour work week. And then all of a sudden I was just managing my own stuff. I felt like I still needed to be working just as much and I needed to be working at nights and I needed to be working on weekends. And so now I've learned to kind of pull that back and manage my time a little bit more appropriately so I can still have that balance. This That's like my word of the year, balance, because I am kind of a workaholic at heart. So I'm like, if I could be doing something you know, strategic or that's helping my business, I'd rather be doing that than sitting on my butt. You know, But you can't be doing that 24-7. Otherwise, you are going to get burnout. And I've definitely felt that burnout. So that is definitely something that I felt. But as far as like scared in like having all of the comfort taken away from what is technically guaranteed from a corporate job, like your insurance, your benefit, your hourly wage that you get every two weeks, you know, or your salary. I think actually when I got more scared was when Ryan quit his job and then it was like all on me compared because at least I still had his salary when I quit to lean back on a little bit, even though I didn't lean back on it. It was just like that peace of mind. So when he quit, I was like, oh, smile. This is me. (laughs) Like, so that's something that I hadn't had before, even though him and I have like gone back and forth and like who made more money, who was kind of carrying more weight back and forth throughout our twenties. This was the first time where it was like fully on me. So that was, I think the scariest part, but now I feel like we're in a, a better groove. Yeah. So how long did it take for your business to start gaining traction and like actually being profitable, right? Because even you said in the first six months, you're making like a couple bucks here and there. Like I freaking hate how everyone online is like make six figures in two months, which is complete crap. What's the real story behind business and money and all that stuff? So now every business is different, right? So especially when it comes to a content creation business, because when you're first starting out content creation wise, your overhead's pretty minimal. You don't have to get a brick and mortar. You don't have to get an office. You can work from your home. You know, your equipment, you can pretty much use your phone for the most part when you're first starting and see how that goes. And then you can slowly bring on other equipment or other things. So your overall overhead is pretty minimal. So when it comes to being profitable, you can be profitable really quick. The cool thing with content creation is a lot of times, like I kind of created my page around my lifestyle. So like beauty stuff, right off because I'm reviewing it. Fashion, right off because I'm taking photos in it and I'm linking it for people to be able to shop. Travel, you can do travel specific content right off the travel. So there are all these different things that you can write off and then you can kind of show that you're not necessarily profitable. But when it came to like actually starting off and when I feel like it actually started really having a force of its own, I feel like that was right around that six month to nine month period when I was around like that 10 to 15,000 followers. Now I made a lot of mistakes, those first 10,000 followers. I don't know about you, but when I was starting, it was a lot more common to do like these loop giveaways, right? Do you know anything about like the loop giveaways and like the follow for follow and like all these different like ways to grow? 
Yeah, spammy behavior, basically. It's spammy behavior, exactly. But I didn't know. I didn't, you don't know what you don't know. And you're just trying to gain traction. And so at that point, I was doing some of those things and quickly realized that's not gaining me the community that I want to have. The number's growing, but that doesn't really mean anything. Anything. It doesn't mean anything at all except for that little number that's at the top of the screen. I quickly realized I needed to be talking to the community that I have and that they are engaging, asking what they want to create, creating that. And when I started doing that, growth started happening. When I started engaging with people who are in the community already who are creating content and just genuinely talking with them, doing a giveaway with them, that was a small group giveaway. That was like maybe three or four other creators that we could do something for our curly-based community. That's when I saw more growth because we all had those same type of followers and audience that we could basically then share and do something that was a lot more authentic than a random group giveaway that you go and follow the freaking account. And then there's like 50 people there, you know, to follow that you don't give a crap about. So those things, I made those mistakes and quickly realized that those are things that I, and I'm glad I did those because then I knew and I learned from those because you only learn from the mistakes that you make. So yeah, so I would say that long answer short, like that 10 to 15,000 followers, which around six to nine months in is when I really started to see that momentum and that shift change. It does. I'm glad that you touched on it though, because I think a lot of people, even myself in the very beginning, I was all about the followers game, right? Oh, I want to go viral and get the, when you're working with brands, you need some sort of community, right? You need some backing social proof. But at the same time, what I'm recognizing is followers doesn't necessarily equate money and it doesn't necessarily equate success because there are people that I've spoken to who have hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, social media, wherever it is, and they're not making any fucking money. They have no social proof. They're not doing anything. And it's like, well, hold up. You're saying, okay, this is like the way to do business, but it's not. It's just one piece of the puzzle. Exactly. Exactly. It's a very important piece to the puzzle. If you're growing a community that is engaged and really there for you and your mission. Do you have any suggestions actually about how to grow your following? Like if it's not the spammy behavior, is it just like engaging conversation, like hashtags? Like what's the, yeah. Okay. So for genuine growth, I would say kind of like I mentioned, asking the community that you have. And that's even the community that if you have 50 followers, 100 followers, 500 followers, that's still a community that is engaging with you. So if they're engaging with you, ask them what they want to hear. Now with that though, you can't just take everybody's recommendations and everybody's asks and make that because then you're going to get like all over the place and you're not going to be creating content too for you and your passion. So I think it's really important that you are doing both of those things. You are asking your community and engaging with them and making sure that you are doing things that are actually of value to them on top of making sure that you're doing something that you are passionate about and that you are really focused on yourself. Because if you're not focused on it yourself and you don't love it, you're not going to want to create it. And all of a sudden you're feeling like you're working really hard on something that you don't care about. Those two things I think are super important. And when you're doing that and then you're adding in, you know, especially with like TikToks and Reels now, you know, you're adding in some of the trends and you're adding in some of the music and you're, you know, bringing some of those pieces into those two main pieces, you're going to see genuine growth. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's uh, so funny because I think people forget that behind every single account, 
every single account, it's a real human being. You know what I mean? Even like when I see hate comments and stuff, I'm like, shut up. Like, why do you have to go to your, like, do you forget that they're, it's a human being? Like, hold up. Let's treat them like normal people. The bots, the trolls, all those things. And it gets worse when you go viral. When you go viral, it gets so much worse because you're outside of then your community. And then you have these random people that just want to be hateful for zero reason. They don't know you at all. And the biggest thing that I learned with not taking that to heart is realizing, and I, and I know I heard somebody say this a couple years ago, and I don't remember who it was now, but it's think about when they are saying that it is so much more a reflection on them than it ever is on you. So when you think about that and what they're saying, realize they, they don't know who you are. They have no idea who you are or what you're about. They know there's probably one video that they've ever seen of you. And it's just a direct reflection on them. So don't ever take it to heart if you can help it, even though it's easy, way easier said than done. Oh, yeah. I just at this point block. Like I went through a phase where I would just like ignore notifications too because I'm like, I don't want to look at it. I really don't want to look at it. I know. I'm like, delete, delete, block, block. <laughs> I'm like, you do not deserve the time or the energy in my life. Yeah, exactly. But so speaking on just haters and going viral and stuff, like what's your experience with TikTok been? Has it changed your marketing game? Because I know you were originally growing your followers through Instagram and I know you have a massive following on TikTok. So what's the, how's that been? Yeah. So TikTok, TikTok is such an interesting and odd platform for me. It is such a weird place. So like TikTok, I have such a love-hate relationship with it because TikTok, you can go viral easily, but not easily because when it comes to your typical engagement, like at least for mine, I have what 140 some odd thousand on Instagram, like 200 and some odd thousand on TikTok. So I have a larger audience technically on TikTok, but my views on average are like a third of what they are on Instagram. So my community is so much more engaged over on Instagram than it currently is on TikTok. Now, is that because I'm feeding my Instagram community better and more regularly than TikTok? Potentially. But TikTok is just, I don't know. I don't know if I've quite locked in the way to engage my community regularly. That's not just tip after tip after tip after tip. I totally get that. That's the problem I've had with TikTok is that like I get a lot of conversions through there. That's great. Or people come over from TikTok onto Instagram, but I get to know my like true community through Instagram DMs, like through like comments on Instagram. Because on TikTok, first of all, their messaging system sucks. I can never message people. And then I hate how they cap your responses on comments on videos to like 150 characters. Like I can't say what I want to say. And maybe that's great because the trolls can't say as much either, but it's hard unless I do lives with people on TikTok. I have no way of really connecting with them unless they come over to Instagram. Honestly. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think that is one of the biggest problems with TikTok in getting your community as feeling a true community. And I think some people are really unlocking that with lives, but I just haven't really leaned into lives. And maybe I haven't leaned into them the way I need to, but for me, I have to really be in a headspace to do a live. I'm not just randomly jumping on lives normally when I'm just doing anything. Because if I'm going to do a live, I'm such a chatty Cathy that I could be on there for an hour. And then I've got like all these other things that I have on my to-do list for the day that I should have been doing instead of just chatting with people like randomly. So I like being able to jump into DMs when I want to and when I have the time and to give them that 
you know, little bit of community when I can, maybe at like 10 o'clock at night or ran, you know, random times in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting game to play, but I mean, it's a great platform, but it needs some work. It's new for sure. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And you know, I don't know if you've noticed this and I find it really interesting because I feel like TikTok was really outweighing Instagram for this past year. And I'm noticing a shift over the past like two months since they started the creator goals, since you can start, you started being able to monetize reels and their monetization is significantly higher than it is over on TikTok. TikTok, you make pennies, pennies, not even close to YouTube. It's not even close to what Instagram is doing now. And I mean, Instagram has been way behind on that for a while, but I feel like they're really stepping it up. You're seeing, I think more engagement now going again on Instagram for creators. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And actually, I, I still love TikTok because that's where bulk of my followers are. But I think I'm going to double down on Instagram these next couple months and do more regular reels instead of just posting videos from TikTok over to Instagram, like to really boost a followership through there. Just because, like you said, it's easier to build that strength in your community that way. So we'll see what TikTok does because I feel like they might still have more stuff up their sleeve, but you still need to like nurture all the platforms regardless. So, Speaking of just like, right. Yeah. So speaking of just like marketing and social media and all that stuff, I know you work with brands, right? That's how you got me hooked on verb. Like I use their ghost oil and their shampoo and everything. I know I need to order soon. So I'm going to have to swipe your, your discount code, but what's it like working with brands? Like what advice and initial steps would you offer people to looking to become an influencer? Like I just started working with brands, so I can't really give too much advice, but for you, you've been like, that's your game, like an expert in sales as well as like communication with these brands. So like where do we start? Where do we start? Ooh, this is, we could have a whole another episode on this. <laughs> so let's take this back. Are we talking to people who are already kind of like trying to be an influencer and they're kind of like, okay, how do I start talking to brands? Yeah, let's go from that directive. Yeah. Okay. So say you're already, you're trying to do the influencer thing. You, you already have like maybe a couple thousand followers and you're ready to start talking to brands. Where do you go? How do you start? When we're talking two brands. I think with new influencers, one of the biggest problems is people get in, they're like, I want the free, I want the free shit, right? I want the free stuff. If that is your number one goal, when you're starting to be an influencer, stop it right now, close the doors. You shouldn't be doing this because there's so much more than free stuff that goes on with this. And if you are going to talk to a brand and some of the biggest brands that have the most money and the most budgets are the ones who are going to pull this, they're going to be like, Hey, we'd love to send you our whole, you know, just whole this whole skincare hair care line. And all, all you have to do is just post something on your stories and a static post or a reel. And the newer influencers that are, you know, new to the game and especially on TikTok because, you know, the virality that you can get on TikTok so easily. And so you have these people who are brand new to the game with hundreds of thousands of followers and they have no idea what to do other than saying, oh yeah, I'll sign away all my rights and I'll create this content for you. And then two years later, you've got an ad with your face on it that you gave rights to that you should have been making tens of thousands of dollars on. And that is not okay. And brands know this. They know it's not okay, but they are taking advantage. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give you, if you are brand new and you're trying to monetize, do not take just the free stuff. Do not do it. If you do want the free stuff and they're offering, what you can say is, hey, X brand, 
thank you so much. So glad you love my content. Um, you're more than welcome to send this over. Here's my address. I can't guarantee anything, but you're more than welcome to send it over. If you'd like to talk about a partnership, I'd be happy to talk about rates or jump on a call with you. Let me know how you'd like to proceed. And then put your address at the bottom. They can send it to you if they want and be done. If they want to talk about paying you, then you can open up that conversation. What about pitching brands? Like, I think that's the hardest thing is that people don't even know where to start from, like, having those conversations. Like, the one thing I will say right off the bat that I fucked up with when I was first starting was that I would straight up DM a brand, like, never speak to them and just be like, hey, this is who I am. Like, I'd love to, like, partner or whatever. And then, first of all, I'm not even following them, which they can see. Everyone can see if you DM someone and you don't follow them, it goes straight to requests which I usually ignore at this point because those people aren't true. Like, you don't give a shit. But what other tips would you have for people who want to start pitching brands or establishing connections or finding even the right contact info? Yeah. So if you are wanting to get in with a brand that you have no, basically, relationship whatsoever at all, okay? So this would be like almost like a cold contact. If that is the case, I personally, this has been my, the best way that I've figured out with brands is to flirt. Okay. We start flirting with them. Okay. So what that means is that, okay, so you have to be strategic about this. This isn't just like, oh, randomly you popped into my head and I'm going to like try to email you or DM you. This is like, I'm going to try to basically get on your radar for the next week to two weeks. And then I'm going to slide into your DMs. So you're going to start out by commenting. You're going to start out making sure that you're watching their stories and that you're replying to those stories. So then by that point, you probably already have, if you've been replying to their stories, you might have already gotten into their accepted messages section so that they're going to see when you actually pitch to them via DM, if that's how you choose to. Once you're kind of in there for a few days to a week, you're following them. That's definitely key. Which if you're watching their stories, you probably already follow them. And then once you actually have gotten to that point, then you DM them and say, hey, you know, I really am enjoying, you know, X and Y product or X and Y something that you do or that you represent. And I'd love to work with you. Keep it pretty short and sweet. Um, You really don't need to talk about you or all of your expertise or your following numbers or any of that, they can click on your bio and they can see all that, all all they want. You need to talk about them. Say why you love them. Say, I'd love to work with you. Are you the person to talk to about influencer partnerships? Or can you connect me with the person who would be the best contact? And then just sign it. Looking forward to working with you. You know, best Chloe. And that right there has been one of the best things. If you've already gone through kind of like that flirting message and you can tell that they're not very receptive in their DMs, then I'll go into one of their recent posts and I'll be like, oh my gosh, love this. Just DM'd you. That way they see it in their comments. Be like, oh, she DM'd us. Let's go to the DMs and make sure we find her. That is the best way I've found for getting a more instant reply. And then that gives them the option to either basically just go ahead and cut it and say, no, we're not interested. Or to go ahead and get you the right contact, don't do anything in DMs. You always want to bring it to email because DMs can normally, if somebody's doing business in DMs, they're shady. Yeah. So I would recommend doing that if you, especially if you don't already have their contact for email or can't find that easily, but it's a great way to start out that contact. And then you also then have a warm lead. If they're recommending you to talk to somebody else in the company, then you can say, Hey, so-and-so, you know, gave me your information to contact you through socials. And then that gives you a really easy, warm start in for your email too. 
I love that you spilled all the deets on that because I feel like I've been in masterminds. I've purchased courses. Like I've even like doing YouTube videos, asked other experts and they're like, okay, you need to DM them right away. And you spill all, you like give them the whole bio and all this stuff. And I'm like thinking to myself as someone who receives messages all the time, like I don't fucking have time to read that, nor do I care. Like get to the point. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like Especially the big brands. I mean, if they're even a decent sized brand, you know, their DMs are blocked up. So if they have started to see your at and they've started to see you here and there in their community, they're so much more likely to get back to you. And then don't just email them once, email them a lot if they don't respond. How, how, like how many times will you follow up with them? Um, I would say on average, if I remember properly to follow up the way I would ideally like to, I would say like, ideally you'd want to like send a pitch on a Wednesday, not on a Monday. Mondays, they're too backed up anyways. So on, say you send an email on Wednesday, if they don't get back to me by next Wednesday, I would ideally send another one on Wednesday, but maybe at like a different time. So if I send it in the afternoon, they didn't get back, then I would send something at like 8 8 a.m. on a Wednesday or maybe on a Thursday. And so then I'd follow up, say, hey, just pushing this back up to the top of your inbox. Looking forward to talking with you. Looking forward to working with you best, Chloe. And then if I don't get anything back still, then I would go like three days. And then I'd go another three days. Three three to seven days is pretty ideal. But if you can just kind of like beat down their inbox. Because a lot of times they're getting so many messages and so many pitches. If it's your influencer marketing contact, that you have to stand out. Most of the time, you're more than likely going to get a response back after that second or third email than the first. Because the second or third, all of a sudden, you're like, hey, just bring this back to the top of your inbox. They're like, crap, I forgot. Let me respond to it right now. Versus the first one, they like see it. They're like, okay, I'll get back to that later. So I I am the queen of follow-ups. Well, it's also your business. Like you have, if you don't get paid, like that's not going to work. Like you have to do it. And that's like the beauty of running your own business is like when people ask like, oh, what about motivation? I'm like, God, pay my bills. Like I got to pay my bills. Like that's all the motivate. I mean, I'm still motivated by the passion of the business. And so are you, I can tell, but. Exactly. Especially at the beginning. I mean, you know, money probably is going to be your main drive. That's going to be your main driver because you got to make it work, especially if you've already quit corporate or if this is like your income, like this is the way you got to pay your bills. You've got to follow up. You've got to be pitching. You've got to be creating. You got to be doing it all. Yeah. So speaking of like pitching and stuff, did you, I know you came from a sales background, so maybe it wasn't as hard for you, but like one of the things that a lot of people have fear over is just pitching and just sales and also like coming off as being I don't want to say too much, but like basically guilty of pitching like, oh, I'm annoying them or like this isn't useful or they don't care, whatever it is. You got to just put that out of your mind. Think about it in their shoes or if you've ever been in those shoes and you have people emailing you and you're just busy and it just slips your mind. I mean, it happens to me all the time too. Like I'll have a brand reach out and, you know, they'll get back in my inbox three or four days later. I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) because you just forget if you are busy, you can just forget. So don't think that you're bothering them because it's really not the big deal. It's just an email. So don't worry about bothering them and don't get too anxious and into your head. I have anxiety and I definitely do this. I am an overthinker for sure. And so it's very easy to go ahead and play this scenario that somebody else is thinking about you inside your head, but you need to realize that more than likely 99.9% of the time, they don't think about you at all. 
you are like a blip in their day. So don't think that they are like so annoyed by you or so upset by you by a single thing that you said, because more than likely that's not the truth. It's just the truth that you made up inside your head. Yeah, it's true. But speaking on like being a blip, right? You know, other than being like the annoying DM that you send every couple of days, but like, is there, some people would say like, oh, if you want to get their attention, right? They're not responding to your DMs or whatever after a couple of tries, like post something in your stories that like mentions them or something like, is that a good idea? Or should you not be posting content that tags or even on your, like your feed or something to mention them? Or like, what's the deal with that? No, I would say that's in part of the flirting category I was talking about. That is something actually that I think is very important to talk about them. Normally in stories would be ideal because at least they're getting that little bit and it's going into their DMs when you are, you know, tagging them in something versus sometimes it can get lost if it's in your feed. And then also if you're already posting about them in in your feed, why would they pay you to post if you're already doing it organically? You know, so I mean, it's, it's, it's a fine line. It really is. Like, I would say you don't want to necessarily be doing it all the time, but it's, it's good to have organically already told your audience maybe a little bit about it, especially if it's a brand that you're already organically using really a lot. Then I think it's nice for them to see, oh, she's already bought into our brand. She's not just looking for free product. She's not just looking for money. She already endorses our brand, which means that this partnership would more than likely be really authentic for us and her community. It's a fine line. So normally I feel like stories is a great way to do that. And then you can use that actually as your starter to your flirting time and then jump into their DMs and send your little pitch. Yeah. The brand game is something that I'm new to and I'm enjoying it. It is a lot of work, but yes, it's like you have to keep ego rubbing and like smoothing and like all that stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Smoothing to the max <laughs> for sure. But don't send like a long-winded message either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm again, I'm glad you pointed that out because again, you have people online who are like, you have to do it this way and only this way and blah, blah, blah. But coming from someone who like actually does it as a full-time thing for many years, like you're obviously like, you have long-term partnerships now because of the way that you did things. So, which I think is everyone's goal. Yeah. And two, um, one of the things I will say, and I hear about this all the time with the influencer world is that it, which is shocking to me. And you probably wouldn't have issues with this because you come from the corporate world. But if you have not come from the corporate world and you're trying to get into being an influencer, it is so important to make sure that you are professional and you are timely. You need to be timely. I can't tell you how many times I have been thanked for being timely and for being professional. And that just shows you that it's not the norm in the industry, which is really sad because I think that an influencer, content creator, woman, I think you should be seen as a businesswoman in this area. So if people are not acting that way, it's, it's I don't, it's just rubs me the wrong way because I feel like it really is. It's such a business to run. So make sure that you are treating it like a business. When you are working with those brand partners, be timely. Conduct yourself like you would a, a businesswoman because it's, you know, that's how you're going to earn the trust of their business and how you're going to get repeat brands to come back again and again and again. Yeah, I agree. I maybe things are shifting because influencers and content creators are seen now as like actual jobs versus what it was when you first started but it's still hard because right you have people are like oh that (laughs) like that's funny like oh cute hobby like that's cute like when are you gonna get a job and you're like hello like 
this is my job and I make way more than I did in corporate. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Flatter to our friends in the back. Seriously. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. So talking about like making money and brand deals and all this stuff, right? You launched Curlfriend Collective. So how has that been? Like I know it was a struggle to launch and then it launched and now you already have some more things in the pipeline, right? You have spring collection coming. So like, did you always want to do this? And like, how did you even do it? So I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to start a scrunchie line or like a silk hair accessories line, but I always knew I had that entrepreneurial spirit. I always knew I wanted to create a product and have a business of my own. I already knew that was like in my blood and that I wanted to do that for sure. But I had no idea for the longest time what that would look like or what that would mean for me. The more I basically grew and listened to my friends and frills community, the more I was like, okay, I feel like what we're missing right now is something that is curl focus. That's an accessory that is actually made to be cute, but functional. There's so many accessories out there, right? But none of them do that exact thing that are functional for curly hair that actually fits the thick curls and that actually looks cute and isn't just like, okay, like we did the bare bones basics, like here it is and it's satin, it's polyester and it's, you know, $5.99 and it's going to fall apart. It's either one or the two or you get your like really nice like silk scarf or silk scrunchie, but it doesn't fit over my freaking hair. There are those two different things that I just was like, I feel like there needs to be something in that piece of the industry. As I'm sure you can understand, the curly side of the hair care industry was forgotten for a really, really long time up until probably the last like five years when it really started like hitting big. And all of a sudden, all the hair care companies started coming up with their curly lines. And then curly lines alone started becoming a big thing with more like indie brands. And so it started to progress a lot. And now all these, especially women and some men too, are starting to embrace their natural curls and stop straightening them and really go towards, you know, embrace that natural texture. And so I wanted to bring something else to that specific community. In Q1 of 2021 is when I actually started talking to my old management about this. And I didn't really know what it wanted. I wanted it to look like. I knew I wanted it to kind of be like a merch line, but I also kind of wanted it to be include silks. And so I kind of let them take the wheel on that, which now looking back on that, that was a mistake. Because I don't think anybody is ever going to vouch for you and run with something as much as you're going to do that for yourself because of how bad you want it. It came down to where I kept on following up, following up, following up, following up, and nothing was getting done, even though I kept on getting the, yeah, you know, it's happening. It's getting done. Yeah. Like we're working on it. We have a call. Do you? I don't have any hard facts right now. So I kept on, you know, I, I was giving the benefit of the doubt, which I tend to do unless somebody gives me a reason not to. In September, came down to the last quarter of the year. And I was like, I wanted this out by Christmas. What's happening? I already know supply chains are tough right now. Like what's going on? It came down to it. I gave them like a final deadline and they said, oh, it's, it's not going to happen. And I was like, excuse me. Okay. Not okay. Not okay. (laughs) First of all, like nine months of your time wasted. Ugh, annoying. Yeah, yeah. When I could have been cultivating it so much earlier and not be like stressed to the max to get it done. I let them go. 
And I found new management and I'm loving my new management. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it myself. And in that mastermind community, I reached out to some people and some people gave me some tips on, you know, some manufacturer options of where I could look. Uh, You and I talked, and I think that's where we really got a chance to connect and talk about kind of some of the things that we're looking to do in both of our businesses. And I actually talked to your friend too, who had her own scrunchie business. And we just kind of got to go back and forth on some of the things that I had researched and some of the things that she had found in her business. And it just kind of gave me more clarity on the direction that I was going. I found a manufacturer. I adored my manufacturer. They've been amazing to work with. We went through a couple rounds of prototypes and samples. And I now have four people on the team, including Ryan, my husband, and a my old VA who I actually promoted to my marketing manager now. And I hired a new VA slash creative who's helping us really stay on track with our socials. We're in it. We're booming. And so we launched in November 22nd of 2021 is when we launched. So we're just a little over two months. We, as of yesterday, we're at 35,000 in sales. I'm so proud of my team. I'm just so proud of everybody. They, everybody's just working so well together and just really is in their zone of expertise. And I love it. Isn't it funny how like, I mean, it stinks that it took nine months for you to like grab it and like run with it, but you still got it out by Christmas. You still made a killing. (laughs) We worked our butts off. I mean, I can imagine it was not pleasant, like especially with supply chain issues, like stress to the max is probably an understatement, but you did it. You fucking did it. Yeah, we did it. I was pulling a lot of really late nights. It was a lot, but we made it happen. Dude, if you put a goal in front of me, I am that person that I'm like, if you put a goal in front of me and a date, it is going to happen. If there is a will, there is a way it's going to (laughs) happen. I a thousand percent agree with that. And at this point with everything that's transpired in my own business, I'm like, it's magic. It's like literally straight up magic. When you just put it there, you're like, you will contract and expand and bend and move to get to wherever you need to go. You just have to like really just shoot for like, it sounds so corny to shoot for the stars, but like, it's so true. But, But it's true. It is so, so true because really, and this does go back to mindset, right? If you believe, if you really do genuinely believe that you can make that happen and you're going to, you're willing to work to make it happen, it will, it will happen. But if you have already set a limiting belief and be like, like if I had said in September, I'm like, there's no way we could hit like a, you know, Black Friday time, you know, for launch, then there, then there's no way you're right. If you told yourself that there's no way you're right, it's not going to happen. So it really does have a lot to do with mindset and the self-talk that you do give yourself. I'm a very positive person. I'm a very goal-oriented person. So if there's a will, there's a way. And so if you tell yourself you can make it happen, I I promise you it will. Yeah, I can attest to that too. So, you know, going to make 100K this year. Yes, I know. You've done so well. You've done so well. I've just loved watching everything. And with all of your, you know, all the notoriety you've been getting, I'm just, I'm I'm so proud of you. I'm just so excited for you. Oh, thank you. Fucking Instagram still won't verify me, but it's totally fine. I'm going to just like let it have its place, but it's fine. Okay. What do you have to do to get verified on Instagram? Instagram, are you listening? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. I'm like, uh. <laughs> what do we have to do? <laughs> Because you just got so, so much, like from all of these huge names, you would think that that would be the ticket. Yeah. I I don't know if it's a name change. Like I just have to do my full name and just go that way, but we'll see. Who knows what this next year will bring. But you shouldn't have to. Normal businesses, they get verified all the time. 
they don't have to have a direct name associated with it. I'm just going to think that there's like a bigger plan in place. And so I will get to where I need to be. You know what I mean? Like, we'll let that shit unfold as it needs to be. I'm like, great. Receiving. Okay, cool. Abundance, abundance. (laughs) Well, this has been, this has been awesome. Um, One of the things I like to do with every single episode is I ask my guests one final question to sprinkle in one last nugget of gold. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? And that could be like really young Chloe. It could be Chloe when she first started her Instagram, like whatever version of Chloe you'd like to talk to. I would say to stop limiting your self-expectations or what you think could be possible. Because if I had told myself I would be where I am now, you know, five to 10 years ago, I would have said, okay, like that's not, no way. If I had a let myself believe that and know that if I did the research and I just went ahead and did it, if you just take action instead of just thinking about it, it can happen. But you have to take those steps forward in taking the legitimate action because thinking about it doesn't get you anywhere. If you can take those few first steps of action and believing past some of those, you're, you're going to have roadblocks and get past those roadblocks and know that those roadblocks aren't permanent roadblocks. They're really just something that you need to swerve around. You can get through it and you can make things happen that you never thought possible. I would say just get out of your own way and take those first few steps. Yeah. I love that. It's Entrepreneurship is such a journey, but keeping that in mind, like just action, that's it. It's the only way to solve a problem is action. Mm-hmm. Action. And you're never going to be ready. You're never going to think you're ready to take those steps. You're going to think, well, I need to do more research. You're going to think, well, I need, I need to be at this spot in my bank account. I need to be at this spot in my career. I need to be at this age. You don't. You don't need any of that. Like, I think everybody who's an entrepreneur and owns a business is going to tell you that there is no way that you're going to be just ready one day. You just need to go ahead and get out of your own way and stop being scared. Preach. <laughs> There's my nugget. There's my nugget. <laughs> It's a good, good, solid nugget. So for people who are like now obsessed and they want to follow you, they want to reach out, maybe they want to purchase from Curlfriend Collective. I know you have a whole spring launch coming up soon. Where can they find you? So you can find for, we'll say for Curlfriend Collective, you can find us if you just put in curlfriend.collective, that's going to be on Instagram and Curlfriend Collective in general is going to be on TikTok and on our website, but you can find that on any of our socials. And then Frizz and Frills, F-R-I-Z-Z-A-N-D-F-R-I-L-L-Z-Z. I made that really easy to spell. Uh, you can find that on anywhere. You can find that on our website, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of the places for all the curly hair content you could want. Yeah. And a lot of it. Let me tell you, you've helped me so much with my own curly wavy hair journey, which has been awesome to like actually embrace it when I'm feeling that curly moment. Good, good. That makes me so happy to hear. That's my whole goal. I did also give you a discount code that you can use for your community too. Yeah, guys, everything will be on the website as well as in the description. But Chloe, can you remind me what's the code again? Yeah, so the discount code for you guys is going to be CQ10. And that'll get you guys 10% off your first order at Curlfriend Collective for all the silk hair accessories and big jumbo scrunchies you could want. (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for coming on i really i appreciate you doing this and just everything you're doing as well as just all the nuggets you shared because i think it'll help a lot of people regardless if they're a curly friend or not it's great for you to be doing these things absolutely i'm happy to help and thank you so much for having me 
Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.